Well, good morning and happy Easter. Can anybody besides me relate to that video? Uh, the first time I was watching it, uh, I kept expecting, I expected at the end that it would turn out to be the pastor and his family <laughs> who are running late. for. That's kind of the pastor's kind of nightmare, the big holidays, Christmas and Easter, that you're going to be late. Uh, you know, life can really get you know, kind of crazy and hectic uh, around, around the holidays, around Easter. Uh, as a follower of Christ, I mean, I love Holy Week. It begins with Palm Sunday, Jesus uh, a procession into, into Jerusalem, the crowds are going crazy. It then it moves to the events of, of the Last Supper on Thursday night, uh, then the Passion on Friday, and then Saturday is this day of silence and grief, and everything seems to be lost, but, but we know differently. And so on Easter Sunday morning, we explode with, with joy and exuberance and hope. As a pastor, I, I love Holy Week, but, but it can be a little bit stressful. Uh, you know, you got extra services, you have, you know, big expectations, you have extra prep and, and planning, you, you, you have family gatherings on top of that. I mean, I look forward to Easter, but I have to be honest, I'll be glad when the service is done and at some point I can sneak in a, a nap. I'm looking forward to that. What are you looking forward to this Easter? Is it a nap or a meal with family? Uh, maybe it's a, it's a beautiful day, maybe it's a, a, a walk or, or a bike ride, maybe a round of golf. What are you looking forward to? It's nice to have something to, to anticipate, isn't it? We, we spend our lives looking forward to things. We, we look forward to birthdays until you get to a certain age. Uh, we anticipate graduations and, and weddings and births and vacations and big games. We, at some point, most of us look forward to retirement when we get towards the end of our, you know, our career or vocation. As a kid, I remember getting so excited, looking forward to Christmas morning and then the last day of school. It was the different for my mom. She looked forward to the end of the summer and the beginning of school. But what if we had nothing? What if we had nothing to look forward to? What if our greatest hopes and dreams, what if they were dashed? What if what we had based our lives on, had bet everything on, what if it ended up being nothing but a dead end and a pipe dream? That very first Easter, the disciples, they woke up. Maybe, I'm guessing, they weren't even able to sleep. But that first Sunday, as the sun rose, in their minds, they had nothing to look forward to. Jesus was dead. The man they had dared hope to be the Messiah, the Chosen One, he was dead. They had seen him executed publicly, tortured, humiliated. They'd seen him draw his last breath and cry out, It is finished! They felt they had nothing to look forward to. At the beginning of the week, yes, their hearts were bursting with joy as the crowds praised Jesus. They were giddy with excitement because their hopes were about to be realized. Jesus was going to become king and they would be freed from Roman rule. But Jesus was dead. And so were their dreams. They had seen his body laid in a tomb. They'd seen the huge stone sealing his body in. They're, they're cowering together in their houses. They're overwhelmed with grief, shock, no idea what to do next. It ended so quickly, so suddenly. They were heavy-hearted and stunned. Have you ever felt that way? I have. That's what grief does, doesn't it? That's what it did to the disciples. Let's pick it up in John 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. And she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. 
So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside and he saw and believed. Now, for clarity's sake, John, who wrote this gospel, he's the other disciple that Jesus loved, he clarifies that what he believed was that the body was missing. He did not yet believe that Jesus was alive, that he'd been resurrected. That's why there's a parenthesis there in, in, in chapter, uh, verse 9, just in case we miss that. So at this point, there's nothing to change the situation for the disciples. As far as they're concerned, Jesus' body has been stolen, probably by the you know, religious leaders to, in, a, in another act to, to display it publicly, another act of, of, of final disrespect. And so in verse 11, believing his body was stolen, but not that he was raised from the dead, they turn away from the tomb and they make their way back to town. Now, what else could they do? They had no power, no connections. They couldn't go to the authorities and say, hey, help us find the body. This is, this is wrong. This is against the law. They, they have no choice but to go back to their lives before Jesus. Let's continue with the story now in verse 10. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was him. Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Don't hold on to me, for I have yet to return to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Can you imagine how she would have felt? She's grief-stricken. She probably thought her, her life was practically over. She, she had nothing to look forward to. And now she cannot wait to share the news that Jesus was alive. What are you looking forward to? What is the hope that guides your life? Is it the hope of watching your kids and grandkids go up, grow up? Is it looking forward to your golden years uh, with your spouse? Is it anticipating, you know, maybe marriage someday? Those are good things. Things to enjoy, things to look forward to. But what will give you hope when life is tough? What will give you hope when things go wrong? What will give you hope when your life draws to an end. On Friday afternoon, I did a memorial service for a 76-year-old man from our church. A great guy. Wonderful man. Loved Jesus. Served him faithfully. And he'd battled cancer for several years off and on. What gave him hope 
as he knew his life was coming to a close? What gives his family hope today? The Apostle Paul wrote, we do not mourn without hope. Jesus rose from the dead so we can have hope. On the first Easter, he broke the power of Satan, sin, and death. And because he did, we have something amazing to look forward to, despite the circumstances in our lives. We can look forward to the resurrection, to eternal life. On Easter, God declared that death is not the end. And for those who believe and who follow Jesus, death has lost its sting. It hurts for those of us left behind, but death has lost its sting. Jesus killed death. You know, I love how the spoken word uh, artist Propaganda puts it. His righteousness, his death functions as payment. Yes, payment. Wrote a check with his life, but at the resurrection we all cheered because that means the check cleared. Tim Keller, who's a pastor who has been battling pancreatic cancer for quite a while. I follow him on Twitter and he gives updates. And it's not going real well. He puts it this way. The Christian teaching is the death of death in the death of Christ. The shaking of shaking in the shaking of Christ. The demise of demise in the death of Christ. The destruction of destruction in the death of Christ. The poet George Herbert said, Death used to be an executioner, but the gospel has made him just a gardener. I love that. Death keeps putting Jesus' followers in the ground, but Jesus will raise them all up. And so Easter means we have something to look forward to. And we don't have to fear death because a resurrection is coming. And we don't have to be anxious about the future because a resurrection is coming. And we don't have to mourn without hope because a resurrection is coming. Three times in the rest of John, as you read through it, Jesus tells his, his followers this, be, peace be with you. We have peace with God through faith in him. We can have peace with each other through faith in him. We can have peace with ourselves when we receive God's forgiveness and believe that for those in Christ Jesus, there is no more condemnation. In the words of Romans 8, if God be for us, who is against us? Who will bring any charge against us? Who can condemn us? At the cross and the empty tomb, Jesus emphatically answered those questions with no one, nobody, and no thing. And because of the resurrection, because of Easter, we have the King of kings and the Lord of life and the Lord of death standing up for us, standing in for us, interceding for us. And nothing and no one can change that. We serve a risen Lord and not hardship or persecution or distress or starvation or homelessness or death or disease or violence, not even death. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so Easter means that we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid because of Jesus' resurrection. We can have peace. So on that first Easter, Jesus said, peace be with you. He said, the battle has been fought. The victory has been won. And through faith in me, the victory is yours. And because it is, we have something incredible to look forward to. There's a story about an older woman who had served faithfully in her church and she knew her life was coming towards an end. So she called the pastor and said, I'd like to plan my funeral service. And uh, she told him what hymns she wanted. She told him what scripture that she would like read. And then she made an odd request. She said, when people come to view me in the casket, I want a fork in my hand. Why? 
the pastor asked. She replied, well, you know, at the end of a meal, uh, when after you've eaten everything, the dishes are being cleared away and the hostess says, hold on to your fork. You hold your fork because you know something really good is coming next. She said, I want people to see that fork and know that because Jesus rose from the dead, that something good is coming. That the best is yet to come for me. That's what Easter means. For those who trust in Christ, the very best is yet to come. We have something incredible and amazing to look forward to. So we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to mourn without hope. Now, believe it or not, that something that we have to look forward to, it can also be experienced now because Jesus didn't only die so we could go die and raise, come back from the dead so that we could go to heaven. He also died and raised from the dead so we could experience the power of his resurrection now, today, and in the rest of our lives. And what that means is that through the power of the very risen Christ, the Holy Spirit, we can be transformed and we can be set free from habits and patterns and addictions and wrong thinking and fear. That's what Easter means. That's what Easter does. I mean, think about the disciples. Before Easter, they're scared. They're cowering. They've lost hope. They run away. They deny even knowing Jesus. After Easter, they're bold. They're resolute. They travel around the world taking all sorts of risks to spread the good news of Jesus. Why? Why would they do that? Because they knew Jesus rose from the dead. All of them died as martyrs except for John. Why would they do that? Because they were changed by the the power of the resurrection. They had seen death defeated with their own eyes. And so they were at peace with whatever happened to them. Nothing could separate them from the love of God in Christ Jesus. They had something to look forward to. And it changed how they lived and it changed how they died. That's what it does for followers of Jesus. So on this Easter, what do you have to look forward to? What provides hope for you? I mean, hope when things get tough. Hope when you face death. Do you believe that Jesus was the Son of God? Do you believe that he died on the cross for your sin? Do you believe that he rose from the dead? I hope you do. I urge you to. Because if you do, no matter what happens in life, both now and at the end, because of Easter, you have something incredible to look forward to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, Lord, we just praise you and give you the glory today. We thank you for the gift of your Son, and we thank you for what we celebrate today, the, the, the truth and the power and the reality of the resurrection. Lord, help us to be people who, who, like Paul, really want to know, strongly want to know, urge, urgently want to know the power of your resurrection. Help us, Lord, to live, live in light of what we have to look forward to in life and in death, Lord. Father, we praise you and give you the glory. Through Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. Amen.